Welcome to Special Programming, produced by the Public Communication of Science undergraduate students here at the University of Ottawa. In this course, SCI 3101, the Public Communication of Science, undergraduate science students learn skills related to communicating their knowledge to non-specialist audiences in the general public. That's us. As one of their assignments, they are tasked in pairs or alone to produce a five to eight minute podcast on any scientific topic of their choice. Using any approach of their choosing, the students were to produce a short media clip that would be informative, accessible, and interesting to an audience from the general public. In this series, we have stories, interviews, and conversations that range from COVID vaccines to black holes in the universe. Hello, hello, hello. We are recording here live from Morissette Library, hopefully not disturbing the students around <laughs> us. Although it is Saturday night, so I'm hoping people are not here. Uh, we did smartly avoid the fifth and sixth floors of Morissette, which as you know, the no-talk zone. But uh, will we get a noise complaint? Stay tuned. I'm Brian. I'm an undergraduate student here at UOttawa in the Biomedical Sciences program, and I also do research in immunology. And I'm Allie. I'm also in my fourth year at UOttawa for Biomedical Sciences. Okay, so is it cool if we start with a little exercise? Absolutely. So we're both fourth year science students. We have spent countless hours in textbooks and lectures. So, Steve Round. Let's name some scientists we've learned about in school. Ready? Yes. Okay, ready, set, go. Darwin. Uh, Niels Bohr. Uh, Einstein. Uh, Lewis. <laughs> Watson and Crick. Game over. How'd I do, Brian? Well, this isn't Oprah. You are not going home with a new car. But uh, we can say fries are on me after this. How's that? Um, make it ice cream and we have a deal. You got it, girl. Okay, so why did you put me on the spot like that? Well, last year in my molecular biology class, we had an assignment called Molecular Biology is for Everyone. And my professor shed light on how in science education, we get painted a pretty narrow picture of what a scientist looks like. Oh, I see now. Yeah, so think about those names we gave out, right? In our assignment, we made profiles of researchers from underrepresented groups. Uh, maybe it's a researcher who's in the LGBTQ plus community, a BIPOC researcher. It could be a scientist living with a disability, uh, anyone from those marginalized groups. And we uploaded those profiles to a resource online that could be accessed by professors. That way they could incorporate those scientists and their contributions into their lectures. And that way, the next generation of science students would get a lot less narrow painting of what scientists look like, right? That's really sick. I see now the inspo for our topic today, which, hey listeners, if you haven't already noticed, it's diversity in STEM. You got it. Well, on that note, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking into Dr. Ben Barris, and this is a scientist people should learn about. Ben Barris was seriously impressive. Stanford neuroscientist, published 167 peer-reviewed papers, Ben Barris was the first openly transgender member of the National Academy of Sciences, 
and pioneered a whole new field in neuroscience. When you list it like that, uh, wow, that's just crazy impressive. And think about it. He did this all before passing away at the age of 63. You got a point. He was an icon. He was a legend. And he was the moment. Now, come on now. <laughs> okay, so to get a sense of what people know about neuroscientists, I asked my friend, how do you picture the biology of the brain or the nervous system? And they said that they had seen in movies this, this web of electrical signals that somehow control the body. And what my friend was referring to really is, is neurons. So scientists understand that neurons are cells that compose the nervous system and send these signals between each other and to the body. Your friend's not alone, Brian. Scientists too focus primarily on neurons when they study the nervous system. But Ben was pioneering in that he looked past those poster-child neurons and focused on these glial cells that no one cared about. Scientists thought glial cells, which are also found in the nervous system, were just a passive scaffolding for neurons. But Ben placed a big career bet on the possibility that there was gold in glia. Work. And the bet paid off big time because Ben Barris revolutionized our understanding of glia by showing that they are not simply bystanders to the infamous neurons. So what do they do then? Well, it's important to note that signals pass between neurons like cars on bridges. And one of Ben's most significant findings was that glia lay the brick of these bridges between neurons. So he conducted an experiment where they took neurons and grew them in the absence of glia. And what they saw is that very little of those bridges were formed and that like few ca cars traveled between them. However, when they next grew the neurons with the glia, they formed the Golden Gate Bridge, baby. Highways, boats, planes, trains, and automobiles. So it was, it was obvious, clear cut. Glia are important to study. Facts. However, in Ben's own words, glial cells are not always the good guys. His research later illuminated that glial cells are involved in neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. How? Well, he found that certain conditions turn these nice bridge-forming glia into a destructive type of glia, where instead of forming bridges and allowing cars to pass between neurons, these destructive glia cells actually burn those bridges down. And interestingly, people suffering from those diseases were found to have lots of these destructive types of glia. You know, as a scientist, Ben Barr's research was fascinating. However, during my preparation for this podcast, I was even more moved by the testimonies of his peers. They described him as hardworking. I mean, sleeping in the lab, working 18 to 20 hours a day. They said that Ben did not gatekeep this field and he made his methods and data available to others and even encouraged students leaving his lab to continue that work elsewhere. Why? Because he was more concerned about understanding diseases and neuroscience than his own notoriety. And how could we forget what a huge advocate Ben was? He viewed the system as fundamentally biased against women and minorities and therefore became a tireless activist who published different articles and made speeches promoting equity and diversity throughout his career. To many, Ben serves as a role model in the LGBTQ plus STEM field, which is significant because before Ben, this type of role model didn't exist. Ben wrote about having had gender dysphoria, but not knowing trans people existed. And it was only after seeing a trans person on TV that Ben realized he was not alone. 
and soon after came out to his colleagues. Talk about the importance of visibility. Amen. And you know what? His story is just one example of the amazing contributions diverse people bring to STEM. And I think in science, there's so much we don't know. And we're going to need a diverse team of people and their perspectives working on these problems. Absolutely. I completely agree. But to bring diverse people to STEM, we need to see diversity in STEM. So calling all teachers. Uh, hello. Please incorporate these types of stories into your lectures so that we can broaden what scientists look like for the future students. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Pop quiz on Glia next week. Be there or be square. Brian, time for Ben and Jerry's. Bye, y'all. Cue Brittany. just heard one episode in a series of podcasts produced by the Public Communication of Science undergraduate students here at the University of Ottawa. 